0: To the truck. Welcome to Friday and let's get ready to truck it. I'm Dooner here with Michael Vincent, the dude on the logistics world championship podcast. What the truck?
1: Yeah, certainly. And a beautiful day here in... Uh... In Chattanooga, my
0: friend. <sighs> it is, unless you're allergic to pollen, and and I don't know if you, I don't <laughs> know if you true. folks know this out here, but Chattanooga is like a sub. It's a what is that subcontinent, subtropical? It's rainforest? close to a
1: subtropical rainforest. Just a couple inches off in rain. Well, yeah. it's blooming, man. Oh yeah, no, it's every spring, bro. The yellow horde starts descending on us and <sighs> covers everything. It rains. It turns into goo and foam on the. Yeah, no, Force? not a good
0: time. Fortunately for, for me, Mass- in Massachusetts, it's a, little, it's a little bit worse, but there's a ton more pollen here. I, th- I just think I'm allergic to like, more maple up that direction or something. But you got to keep the pollen in the plants, right? Yeah, yeah. you definitely do. Tomorrow in Chattanooga, we got some rain, so that's gonna that's gonna help abate some of that. But today on this very show, we're gonna take a look at some of the issues with innovation and adoption of freight tech in 2021. HubTran talks about their deal with Triumph Pace. So we got Triumph Pace side of the story at the beginning of the week. We'll get Hub Tran side of it. This we're gonna hear about the Burger Wars, Impossible versus Beyond versus Open Nature. Redwood recounts their first quarter, and we're gonna get the story behind this championship belt directly from Matt Walsh, the Shark Tank winning Mark Cuban-backed awards company. Yeah, and that's a great episode. It is. I've watched it several times. It is. Check it out. It was on just a few months ago. But in the meantime, let's tip the band, then we'll hit the headlines. So this episode is brought to you by Redwood, a leading logistics platform company, has provided solutions for moving and managing freight for more than 20 years. The company's diverse portfolio includes digital freight brokerage, flexible freight management, and innovative platform services such as Lapass and Redwood Connect that fill the gaps between logistics and technology. Contact Redwood at redwoodlogistics.com. Let's hit the headlines. Do it. All right, first one here. No surprise. Port of Long Beach smashes container records in March. Eric Kulish has a story. He says a number of ocean containers crossed the docks into the Port of Los Angeles in March, further underscoring that there will be no slow season this year. At U.S. ports. Earlier this week, the Port of Charleston also reported record results in March. The Long Beach Port Authority on Thursday said its terminals handled 840,387 20 foot equivalent units, or TEUs, last month, surpassing the previous high of uh, just over, just under 118. 816,000 set yeah. in December. March is normally one of the slowest months for maritime trade. That's why you do a lot of contract negotiations during that time. And supply chains relax from from peak seasons with US and Chinese holidays, but not the case this year, is it?
1: No, it's not even close. <laughs> Long Beach and other ports have been swamped with cargo for the past 9 months and it doesn't seem to be slowing down at all as people stuck at home during COVID. Shop online at record pace and companies try to replenish inventories depleted earlier this year. Duner keeps on running in the pandemic when the factories in Asia were forced to close for quarantine reasons and carriers canceled many sailings. Inventories depleted Purchasing still going on strong, still way up. The unprecedented surge of imports at container ports is expected to continue at least through the end of the summer, according to the National Retail Federation. Monthly Port Tracker reported on Wednesday.
0: Yeah, we, I mean, we've talked about this nearly every single episode of this show when it comes mm-hmm. to the West Coast port crisis. And in March, there every single day of the month, there were 20 to 30 container vessels stuck at anchor waiting to get into the Southern California point in San Pedro Bay. And this was a point we kept stressing when everyone was talking about the Suez Canal. We're like, hold on a minute. We have our own problem right here on our own shores over on the West Coast. Long Beach's imports grew by 74%. Problem is, though, exports declined by 3.9%. That's also causing that container imbalance. I know yesterday on Midday Market Update, you were talking a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, we were talking a little bit about that on midday market. Up, Drew Herpich from the Nolan Transportation Group was talking yeah. about that a little bit, saying that hey, they're foregoing exports for the for the, and taking the hit on on empties to get them back across the pond.
0: Got to get them back some way. Yeah, exactly. Gotta get them back some way. Headline number two: Towing fraud, Stage accidents targeted by new coalition that includes the ATA. And here's a little Mandela effect for you. I just learned from one of our from one of our editors when I was writing the newsletter that it isn't the American Trucking Association. It's the American Trucking Associations. S. Yeah, there's an S at the
1: end. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's a conglomeration of state associations.
0: Yes. Yeah. It sounds weird in my head, though. Yeah. Well. It's sort of like Rider System versus Rider Systems.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I always put the S at the end of Rider Systems. Yeah. And it's not. It's
0: Rider System. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, John Kingston reports that a three member coalition that includes the American Trucking Associations has come together to combat both towing fraud and stage accidents that are costing the trucking industry millions of dollars. The ATA joined with the American Property Casualty Insurance um, with the uh, insurance fraud in the new coalition, which doesn't yet have a name. So they're coming up with that. Yeah, got one for
1: them. Yeah, a coalition to be named later.
0: What, do you, what should we call it? I think we give it a symbol, like Prince.
1: Okay, you know what I'm saying. Artist formerly yep. known as Prince. A spokesman for the three groups, uh, there you go, let's just call it the three groups jointly, said in an email <laughs> response to questions from <laughs> Frank Waves, while towing fraud and staged accidents are distinct issues, they are tied together because they both involve some sort of insurance fraud that is a real burden on carriers and members of the public in addition to insurers. Additionally, both staged accidents and predatory towing, it's a thing, <laughs> predatory towing, Contribute to skyrocketing insurance costs, so addressing these problems is one step in mitigating the future cost of insurance for carriers. See, I told you, somebody already thought about predatory towing.
0: So the thing with the predatory towing, right, is a lot of these towing companies, they sit there listening to police scanners looking yeah. for accidents, yeah. and they, they rush and race to the scene, and it can cause a lot of problems. It's almost like that movie Night Stalker, except he was like trying to take like crime scene photographs. <laughs> I remember Night Stalker. Yeah. But here here's the thing like in Austin, Massachusetts, on college move in day, they always, they always like do this predatory targeting of people moving in. Oh yeah, sure. And they'll, they'll just gonna... tow you for any infraction. I actually had one guy lift up our our moving van and um I think he, he thought I was coming to attack him because I was holding a cinder block. Because like, <laughs> you know, when you when you're living in Austin, you're moving to a college dorm, there you don't have a lot of money, so like yeah, beds right. were put up on cinder blocks and things. Yeah, sure. this no, legitimate smash piece him. of furniture he thought i was gonna smash him yeah. he wasn't he wanted 200 bucks to drop it though and i had to give it to him what else was i gonna do yeah what
1: are you gonna do it's in the air
0: well <laughs> these steps that the coalition might pursue indicate it believes that there are more specific remedies that it sees for the towing issue than for this stage accident problem the sheer number of indictments in that louisiana stage accident scam makes clear there are legal remedies for these stage accidents so we'll see how that goes john kingston has the full story on freightwaves.com Here's one for you, though. A skeptical judge acquits a trucker with heroin. So at the Canadian border, Nate Tabak has this one. And an off-duty truck driver, he was caught at the U.S.-Canadian border with 13 bricks of heroin in his car. He was found not guilty of two of these drug charges by a Canadian judge who determined that his version of events was plausible. The driver maintained that someone must have placed the drugs in his truck (laughs) while he helped fix another truck's rig at a rest stop. So he had his back turned. Someone comes over to the truck and they put a suitcase full of heroin just in there. Give him a cool million dollars worth happens. of heroin out of that the woods all time. the time. I just want to put my heroin in your trunk. His name was dump truck driver Ger Pete Mann. He was found not guilty on April 1st, no joke. More than three and a half years after his arrest on August 2017, Mann was attempting to re enter Canada at the Douglas border crossing linking Blaine, Washington to Surrey, British Columbia.
1: Yeah, British Columbia Supreme Court Justice Nina Sherma voiced skepticism about Mann's account, no kidding, and his in, and and his innocence in a ruling, but wrote that the prosecution had failed to make its case. For the reasons discussed in this judgment, although I did not completely believe that Mr. Mann did not know about the heroin, I have reasonable doubt about his knowledge, Sherman wrote. Mann, Mann testified that he made a quick trip across the border to help a friend and truck driver who had broken down? He was driving a courtesy car supplied by an auto body repair shop, which was repairing his wife's car.
0: So, but he says it was slipped into his trunk at a rest stop. Now, if he said he picked up the car and it had been in there all along, that might make more sense. But like someone slipping in the rest stop—that's where I'm well, stuck. I,
1: and, and some of his other—you know—at first he said that uh, he went across just for gas. Yeah. And then he then he said he went to help Changed a buddy. Story. Then he said he knew about the uh, the suitcase and said yeah. it was his wife's clothes. <laughs> well, Bud said he didn't
0: know about it. <laughs> the judge said there was enough reasonable doubt, though. Canadian border service officers discovered the heroin inside that suitcase of the Hyundai's trunk. Man maintained that he had no idea he was transporting those drugs. They had a wholesale value of about seven hundred and ninety thousand dollars, so this is a pretty big score. Shermer pointed out, though, there was a lack of forensic evidence, such as fingerprints tying man to the drugs. They didn't have that on camera. They didn't have fingerprints. He denies it. Pretty lenient, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't. Um
0: <laughs> nonviolent though, nonviolent offense. So. No, I,
1: I agree. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm with you. Third, uh, you know, three years later or whatever it was, you know, uh, he's done his time.
0: Hey, we got a guest coming up Not on wrong. here. It's Leo Gordinsky. He's a CTO over at Alvis. Hey, Leo, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, man, where are you uh, where are you dialing in from? I'm dialing in from Denver right now. I just moved back here from New York. You know, I was looking into your background a little bit on Uh-oh. LinkedIn, and I noticed something. I noticed that you were an engineer over at Jet. Now, Jet was picked up for like $3 uh-huh. billion dollars by Walmart. Did you have anything to do with that?
2: Uh, I think so. Uh, <laughs> I, was, uh, I was actually the first uh, hire at Jet. Uh, at, uh, the engineering team was hired before the, the rest of the teams when Jet was being started so that we could uh, build out the platform uh, before we started building out the, the product features. Uh, and, yeah, so I was there uh, from the very beginning, and I got a chance to see it grow from uh, one or two people to 20 people, 30 people, a couple thousand. And then uh, once we were acquired by Walmart, uh, I spent about 10, uh, two years with uh, Walmart and Jet, uh, and that was, of course, a much uh, much larger organization.
0: Wow, awesome. so that's some great background on you. What's yep. the elevator pitch on, on Alvis?
2: So uh, Alvis is a SaaS platform that helps carriers grow their business. Uh, and what we focus on is uh, from a carrier's perspective, there are three key processes that they're always involved in. They're always either looking for loads to book, fulfilling existing loads, uh, and then managing the fleet, paying the drivers and so on. And what we offer is a platform that allows a carrier to connect the dots with these three processes and improve the efficiency of their business. Uh, now. We also see the broader landscape of transportation, and our system is designed in such a way that we can actually offer carriers brokerage functionality. We can offer shippers uh, access to, to carrier capacity, uh, but our focus right now is on the smaller carrier, so maybe less than a 100 trucks, less than a couple hundred trucks.
1: Yeah, so I think we can all agree that, you know, tech adoption and bringing it in is very important, and the transportation industry is certainly ripe for that type of thing, right? Yeah. But I think we can also agree as we think through this, that getting there and automating your systems and doing these things can be a a problem if you just jump into it without any knowledge of what's going on. Can you talk about some of those issues and those hurdles that you need to undertake?
2: Yeah. And so this is something that I started seeing before I joined with Albus. And after I left Jet and Walmart, I spent a couple of years doing some consulting in the New York area. And I had a chance to interact with a lot of executives, a lot of startups, and I saw a very common thread with their technology organizations. And, and the, the thread was that once an engineering team reaches the size of about 15 to 20 people, they start to run into friction. They're constantly fighting fires. Uh, they're unable to uh, make the system reliable. Uh, they're unable to develop more complex features. Uh, and this was a very, very common theme. Um, and, and and so um, I, I'd spent some time thinking about it. And one of the reasons is that there's a oftentimes a big disconnect between the business and the product teams uh, and, and the engineering teams. Um, and um, and uh, that's especially a problem in uh, logistics and supply chain because of how complex the business processes are. It's simply impossible to, to come in with a very strong engineering team and then get into a business top down and, and just start developing features without access to the users they're going to be using those uh, features but then on the other hand uh, if you do have uh, a good business in place and you're just trying to automate it uh, you can do a little bit with uh, uh, hiring an engineering team maybe finding a partner but if you don't have a principled approach to developing technology uh, once you reach that size of 15 engineers or so uh, you're going to come to a grinding halt Uh, and, and so what we're really looking to do is on the one hand Uh, have this bottom-up approach to building the product, because we're building it from the vantage point of actually uh, using the product and operating real carriers through it. Um, uh, But then on the other hand, uh, we have a strategic approach to technology, a principled approach uh, to technology, and we really want to take this from uh, what now is a relatively small product, uh, but to a major piece of infrastructure in the future.
0: That's interesting, and I like your perspective as an engineer on this because, you know, like Apple, for example, Apple is so good at creating an intuitive user interface, right? Yeah. But in our industry, yeah. we're not. We put out a lot of brutal products that take a lot of training. They're not that user-friendly. They're not that intuitive. What is the engineer's role in that, though, of taking into consideration these these customer needs, and what's the challenge in doing that?
2: So uh, so one of the challenges is actually the the, the company culture uh, with uh, with how they interact with engineering, oftentimes there's a dysfunctional culture where, uh, the, let's say, the product team who understands the features and the users, uh, they uh, uh, they uh, spell out their requirements and then just throw them over the fence to the engineering team, and then come back a month later to see what's going on. Uh, and and this just doesn't work in in the supply chain industry because of how complex it is. The engineers and uh, the operations staff the product managers and everyone must be working together and collaborating every single day to make sure that they're heading in the right direction. Um, and, and that's, uh, that's, that's difficult uh, to do, but that's exactly the the problem we're trying to solve uh, from, uh, from within.
1: So um, we, we talk about this uh, visibility and the development of, of these different automated processes and the, and the, the process of making that happen, I guess, the, the the different stages that you go through, through the engineering and discovery and so on. The danger comes sometimes when people automate too much, too quickly, and don't understand what those... I want, I want to say ramifications because of a lack of a better word, but the, some of the efforts that happen there, right? You discover inefficiencies, et cetera, and it can expand quite quickly. Can you speak to that and how people need to be prepared for, hey, this, is, this sometimes can be a process where you're uncovering some not so pleasant things within the, in the business that are going to be fixed by this and how to work through that?
2: Yeah. So uh, we, we look at it from a, a bottom-up approach is that we don't automate things just for the sake of automating it. Uh, we we engage with our users and try to really identify uh, what their problems are. Like even even uh, for for my part, I I spent uh, time and I still spend time working uh, at a carrier's office that uses our technology, um, and and I'm able to shadow accountants, dispatchers, uh, and everyone else as they use the software. And that's really the only way that I can truly empathize with our users. Uh, and then I bring that back. Uh, to, to To the engineering team, and we incorporate that mentality uh, into the product, but it has to be operations focused where we we talk to our users, listen uh, to their needs, and then try to design a solution uh, for those needs rather than some like abstract idea of what we think uh, needs to be done
0: the The promise of data and the promise of technology and transportation has been sold as breaking down silos in a lot of instances, but what what we're seeing is because there's all these new platforms, people not being properly trained, p- not being properly deployed. In a lot of cases, those silos went from file cabinets just to to digital platforms, right? To walls, yeah. gardens and, and ecosystems that other departments aren't in. Anyway, how do we fix that problem?
2: Yeah, and that's uh, that's uh, that's a really good question. Uh, one of the things that has happened uh, is that on the one hand, we have access to uh, emerging technologies like cloud technology and this infrastructure as a service concept. Uh, But then on the other hand, the complexity in software development has been shifting uh, away from the complexity of the problem you're trying to solve, but towards the complexity in all the integrations that you have to manage. Uh, And uh, one of the things that you can do to approach this is actually embrace this complexity. You embrace the complexity uh, of uh, systems from the integration perspective, and you try to strategically Uh, build your system in such a way that it is able to handle all these uh, different integrations. Uh, The reality is that we're not going to build one system that solves uh, everyone's problems. You have to exist within an ecosystem uh, and play nicely with other systems, Uh, like, for example, communication tools. We're not hoping to uh, eliminate the need for text messages. We're just going to play nicely with existing mediums of communication.
0: Yeah, I mean, communic- It's it's such a hard problem to solve because we even see it all the time in communication, right? Well, I all of my information is you know I got it in Slack, I got it in email, I've got it in text messages, I've got it in LinkedIn DMs. It's all over the place. Voicemail. It's it's like I, I need to bring it all together, and it's hard and it's a challenge. You know, no 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 group is immune from it, and that's like that we're still moving that tech renaissance forward, but we're not fully there. We're getting it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, agreed, Get agreed. You've got siloed data, there. and then even within <laughs> one silo, you've got separated
0: data, is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Leo, we like what you're saying. If the audience does as well, they want to learn more about this, where should we send them to?
2: Uh, well, uh, you could uh, reach out to me directly. You could uh, email me at leo at uh, You could visit our website. Uh, I'm also on Twitter. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm happy to chat, happy to discuss uh, more, some more of this.
0: Wow. Leo, come out to F3 and see us in November. You know, we'll, we'll show you around Chattanooga. All right.
2: Sounds good. <laughs>
0: Take it easy, man. Have a good weekend. You too. Bye. All right. Next guest is Mike, is our own, FreightWaves' own Mike Budendistel, and he has started a brand new show called The Stockout. I think it may even debut today. It's a it's a sequel or a, or a companion piece to his newsletter that he already does. Speaking of which, like newsletters, what the truck has. One, go to FreightWaves.com slash WTT. You'll get it every Tuesday in your inbox at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Mike, you, Mike, thank you for joining us on the show. Hey, how are you guys? Hey, Mike. You in, so you're in Dallas now, right?
3: I'm in Dallas. That's right. How are things treating Pulling you over into, there? Like, grilling season out here.
0: Oh, beautiful. Grilling season. Well, this is good oh, because we right. are going to be talking about a recent issue of the stockout that was near and dear to my heart because I'm a vegetarian. And mm-hmm. you, I love what you did. You went out in the field. You went to a grocery store, and you bought three different burgers. I think you got the op- – we have a picture, and we got the open nature here. We got the impossible. We got the Beyond Burger. Tell me why you decided to do this experiment and what the outcome was.
3: Yeah, so I've been following uh, the consumer product space much closer now that I'm doing this uh, stockout newsletter and trying to identify some of the big emerging trends in the industry. And, and one of the huge ones is the substitution of animal-based products for plant-based products. And you're seeing this in, in all kinds of, of product categories, um, but in particular, the the meats category. In the last year, the the meat, um, you know, you know, plant-based meat is up about 40%. Uh, percent, and some of the, you know, companies that, you know, participate in that space, like beyond their sales have been up about 100%. So, you know, growing very quickly and it just seems like this, it's this huge trend and it was trying to decide, okay, you know, it was what these companies saying about the, the product tasting like meat, um, you know, do, do I believe it or not? And I just wanted to, to try it for myself. That,
1: that's awesome stuff. So one, the one question that I had was how I hear this. It's a huge trend. How huge of a trend is this? Is this something that meat, uh, uh, you know, producers and stuff? Do you have
3: information on that? And uh, is it replacing meat? So it, it's it's early days, but it does seem to be replacing meat. Um, now these meat alternatives actually make up two point seven percent of retail packaged meat. So it's still. You know, small single digits. You know, just under three percent. But but still, considering that was you know nothing. You know, a few years ago, and it's growing so quickly. It's it's becoming a much a much bigger trend. And some of these companies, like Beyond Me, I mean, right now about eighty percent of their sales are in the U.S. But they just announced they're going to uh, you know expand production in, in China, you know, near Shanghai. So I think it's it's really a big uh, a, a big emerging trend. And what these companies are trying to do is appeal to people who who love meat. So Duner, you're not really their, their their target market. You know, someone like like me, is more their target market who, who loves, uh you know, loves hamburgers. And they, they're trying to make something that you really want to eat, not necessarily something that you would eat just because it's it's healthy or better for the environment. Although they do make the claim that it's both of those things.
0: Wait, hold on a second. Well, I do like a nice steak and I do like a nice burger. I just don't want to kill the cow to get it. So okay. let's set that straight. So, I mean, I have these. So I, I'll i give you my review first. I've had all of these. I, I, the Impossible Burger, to me, actually feels like the next evolution of veggie burgers i feel like if you did this in a blind taste test and didn't tell someone that it was a veggie burger they would have no idea they would actually think it's a pretty good meat burger what was i can't say the same for beyond i thought it was okay wasn't as big a fan open nature not as big a fan impossible really
3: stood above okay i was gonna to ask me. you which
1: one you it was an impossible, impossible.
3: One. It's a, no okay. doubt would you agree with that it, absolutely I, I came to the same i came to the same conclusion that. You know, the Impossible Burger, I had a hard time deciding, you know, whether the Impossible Burger was real meat versus the lean meat burger that I was comparing it to. So that one actually fooled me. I thought the Beyond Burger was a good tasting garden burger, but it still tasted like a garden burger. Um, but, but yeah, I agree with you. Impossible tastes better right now. Um, but we'll see. I mean, Beyond um, is is planning to roll out a next generation of, of products. Um, so, you know, that could change.
1: <laughs> That's it. So wait a minute. You're... you're... In Texas, a meat eater saying that this impossible burger
3: you you couldn't tell if it was meat or not. Is that right? I couldn't tell personally. I, uh. I you know, we had the four burgers out and I thought you know, I, I really couldn't decide between impossible or the lean beef was was actually the the real one. You know, I've tried this a few different times with a few family members and friends, and and, and about half of them could tell, and about half of them weren't sure either um, whether the impossible was was real
1: beef. Right. So McDonald's is jumping on this bandwagon oh, yeah. too with the McPlant. What really what's going on name. there? When is that coming out?
3: Creative name too, McPlant. Yeah, the
1: McPlant, the the McBroccoli. <laughs>
3: Yeah in in some parts of the world it's already out uh you know in Scandinavia they they they've had that out I think for some time um I think you know in the US it should be out at some point you know this year I tried to find it but yeah it doesn't seem to be at least you know near here on on any other menus you know so far but I believe it's it's later this year and and that's one where you know beyond is the preferred supplier um to McDonald's and that's going to be true for um you know some of these other fast food brands as well like the Yum brands which they own you know KFC um, you know, a few others, you know, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut.
0: Yeah, we've had John Brewer on before. Beyond is well-established within their uh, retail fast food locations at, yeah, at yeah, Hardee's yeah. and, and Carl's right. Jr. as well. Yep, I mean, I was in Amsterdam back in 1994. I went with my, my Catholic school on a European trip, and they had something called the Groten Burger at McDonald's, which was a, the, a veggie burger. The Groten Burger. Yeah, they sold beer there, too. Oh, yeah. yeah and they sold it to you if you were, like, 15. They didn't care.
1: Yeah, yeah. no. But then no, eventually no. in life
0: developed alcoholism, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I did. But. My
1: my question, Mike, is is this is is it, when will the trend of 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 creating vegetables out of meat based products come into fashion for those <laughs> for those vegans who are trying to convert to meat?
4: Yeah,
1: I'm guess, not
3: expecting that anytime soon. No, <laughs> uh, I, 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 I hadn't even considered something. that, honestly, but. <laughs>
0: So I got to ask you this growth has been great right so beyond meat it's up 136% year over year in the US and worldwide really really pro- proliferating this is things that you cover in the stock yet but that's the newsletter what is the show now what are you going to be doing on that
3: Well it's going to be I think uh you know co- cover some of the same things that are in the newsletter but also just go into additional you know topics that I didn't have time for in the in the newsletter um like even you know today you know got the newsletter out first thing this morning but then there's all you know sorts of other you know news items that 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 come out that You know, didn't have time to to include. There was a thing about you know Procter and Gamble, you know, last night about how they're um, making a big push to collect people's information that maybe circumvents what you know Apple is uh, trying to allow on its uh, iOS devices. So I think there's just lots of interesting topics to talk about in CPG. I mean, it's such a it's such a wide space.
0: So what what is your first episode going to be about? I believe it debuts today, if I'm not mistaken.
3: Yeah, so it, it'll be a variety of, of recent, you know, news items. I mean, some a little bit of what we touched on here today. Um, you know, also a lot of the inflation that's taking place in uh, in the CPG space. I mean, the, those companies are all contending with rising, uh, you know, freight transportation prices, in addition to rising packaging prices, you know, rising uh, commodity prices for every manner of agriculture, you know, input, and 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 really, I think that's maybe going to be the key. Um, question for the industry over the next year is can they mitigate the pressure of uh, inflation and, and they're really seeing inflation across all of their all their line items um, so it, it does seem to be a challenging year and then you know in addition to that you know how do they you know scale up or in this case in a lot of cases scale down uh, their capacity for a new world where things are partially you know back to normal
0: Michael Vincent and I caught wind of the fact that there might be a ketchup package shortage, so we've been hoarding all the ketchup packages around here at Frayed Alley. How long are we going to have to do that for? When's the ketchup coming back?
3: I think when people start to go go back to restaurants, you you will have the the individual you know ketchup packets. Um, although that could still be uh, an issue since they don't want people to really share share bottles, um, you know, there too. But. Uh, you know, Heinz is making a pretty big push to open up a few different manufacturing production lines. So hopefully it'll be a, a relatively short um, uh, shortage. Michael, spin that wheel.
1: All righty. I was going to ask.
0: Round and round it goes. Where it lands, no one knows. But Mike will answer regardless. So what do we got?
1: All right, Michael, ready? You have decided to ship yourself to California in a crate from Texas. How are you going to get there? By truck, air,
3: or rail? I'll say by, if it's in the summer, by truck, uh, in a refrigerated truck, oh, because reefer. it gets pretty hot in that corridor.
0: You you're going <laughs> to ship yourself
3: as <is> produce. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, well, not interesting. necessarily as fully frozen, but, you know, the type of truck that's like a beer truck that, you know, keeps it to about 55 degrees. I think that would be a, a pleasant way to to get there.
0: I mean, rail, why not rail? Why, like, you didn't pick rail when I, either. Yeah, just when well, we were writing the stupid question, <laughs> yeah. why, why not rail?
1: Well, I've I've seen them, you know, derail cars before and smack them up against the embutment and, and so on. Okay. And I've seen, I've opened the doors of 53 footers that have gone on a rail before. Well, and back in the day, it wasn't really pleasant.
0: I mean, in terms of air, there was a story we, we may or if we don't get to it today, we'll get to it Monday, but it was the crate escape. And it was this guy in 1965 in, in London. Well, he was in Australia. He tried to ship himself back to London via yeah. air freight, and um, it took five days. And He almost died in the crate, and, and it could be dangerous. So maybe Chuck's the way to go. Hey, your show's on at 3 p.m. Eastern time. It's also available on podcast players everywhere. It is called The Stockout. How do they subscribe to the newsletter?
3: So please go to uh, www.freightwaves.com forward slash The Stockout. And Beautiful. That's how you get it twice a, twice a week.
0: They had uh, Mark Cuban for us. Take care.
3: Okay. <laughs> Take care, Our-
0: This episode is brought to you by Triumph Pay. Triumph Pay is committed to proving efficiency and value to all customers. With our definitive agreement to acquire HubTran, the combined company will create a fully integrated payments network for the transportation industry, including factors, brokers, and carriers. Visit TriumphPay.com to learn how they can drive your business forward. Forward together, you know, we're going to talk to one of those gentlemen who is a principal in this deal, uh, Josh Asprey's vice president, 3PL and broker at Hubtran. We already talked to the Triumph Pay side of the story, so now we're going to get his side. Just to get you up to speed on this, yeah. Triumph Pay earlier in the week we covered the story. Triumph Pay had acquired Hub uh, had acquired Hubtran. They're working together to create this. Um, to create this. Ad. Yeah,
1: they've got a definitive agreement to. It's they still get, got to pass, but it'll pass. It'll pass through things, I would imagine. It's a definitive agreement to buy them, right? We talked to uh, Jordan Graft earlier in the week from uh, Triumph Pay. Uh, really, uh, uh, l- the last piece in the puzzle to
5: uh, really bring them into. Done. This.
0: Hey, so tell me, you got to be excited
5: about this big deal, right? And uh, you know, it's just a day in the life. You know, it's just. It's been a been a pretty calm past several weeks, you know, not, not, nothing big to report, okay, it, it, man, it's been a crazy couple of weeks for us. And we announced on 4.1 uh, a week ago, Thursday, and it has just been a, it's been a whirlwind. Uh, I mean, the industry is, uh, the response has been tremendous from the industry. You know, every customer I've spoken with uh, has is excited, they, they see the vision, they see what we're doing. And, you know, Triumph Payne's vision here is, I mean, it just makes a lot of sense. I mean, uh, we're going to be providing, you know, they're currently providing tools and services to increase automation uh, for carriers and brokers. But, you know, with the HubTrain acquisition, it's really tying the three pieces together, right? So it's brokers, carriers, factors. And so... What's happening with the acquisition of HubTran, I mean, this is going to materially advance the ability to create a seamless payment experience uh, and enhance service to our factoring customers, but also make things much better for brokers and carriers. I mean, together, Triampay and, and HubTran, we're going to be uniquely positioned to provide tools in, to the factoring industry that empower them to create meaningful process and technology improvements into their operations. I mean, I mean, I, personally, I mean, I'm mean, i excited because, I mean, together, you know, we, we, we're all about automation at HubTran, right? And being able to tie everybody together here in the Try and Pay network, it's going to make the flow of invoice and payment data seamless. So it just operates in in the background. So people are just going to get paid. And so it's going to be resulting in cost reductions, risk mitigation, uh, improved uh, speed of service for carriers. I mean, the entire industry is going to win from this. And so again, I'm just really excited by the acquisition. I think that the two companies working together just makes a lot of sense. Um, Yeah. So I mean, this whole thing is just going to, is just really exciting to me and where we are on day 1 is terrific where we're going to be on day 365 is going to be even better
1: it's amazing and it certainly does sound like a game changer for sure can you go into specifically how this uh you know this partnership this acquisition is going to affect specifically the factors and and the carriers where's the benefit there for those guys
5: Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, so I mean, first off, you know, my my title, uh, vice president of 3PL and broker, you know, I so I have deep relationships with uh, with uh, the broker customers. And, you know, they're ecstatic by this. Uh, The the factors are, um, you know, they're they're looking at this and they're become they're they're becoming more and more excited because they're starting to see the vision. So, you know, what Hubtrain has done with our factor customers uh, is we've really improved their operations historically, and we've been able to let them do things like do auto verifications from within the the Hubtrain platform, and you know, together we're going to be able to let them do things like that. At a much higher rate, just because of the scale of HubTran Plus, try and pay together. So, you know, so, you know, automating the things that factors just don't want to do or really time consuming and pay for them, that's all going to go away. Now, carriers, they're going to spend less time in the collections process. I mean, through the insertion of automation in the cash application process. Um, And so the combined platform is really going to provide an end to end payment solution between brokers and factors. And so that, you know, the carriers themselves are paid faster. So, again, it's going to create just a seamless payment experience for everybody and it's you know again it's it's a win-win-win for for the entire industry and it's i can't be more excited by how this is all shaken out
0: yeah i mean there's a bit of a purgatory period here before the deal fully consummates right the definitive agreement goes in place so what are your customers how do they proceed until that happens
5: yeah, I mean, the easiest way for them to proceed uh, is, you know, they, they uh, it, for, from now until close, it's business as usual. You know, it's uh, business as, as usual as it can be because we're answering a lot of questions, right? And and we're uh, working uh, with our customers to tell them how, uh, you know, what phase one is going to look like, what phase two is going to look like, and really what the vision is. So if you're a customer of Pay or you're a customer of HubTran Business as usual for now. Um, <clears throat> we're uh, we're trying to get this closed as quickly as possible, just because, like you said, dinner. It's it's it, it's like kind of like a purgatory type type thing. But you know, we're we're still signing deals. We're still uh, we're still launching. Uh, we have three customers who are launching on Hubtran next week, and um, you know, so they just need to contact their sales reps. You know, if, if you have any questions, just contact me, Jay Asbury, J A S A S B U R Y at hubtran.com. and you know, I'll put you in touch with the, the right people. So, if any questions, anything about sales, what the direction is, just reach out to me and, and I'll, I'll make sure you're plugged into the right people.
1: Awesome stuff. Thank you, Josh. Uh, can you, uh, you guys are obviously extremely busy out there. I mean, you're explaining everything that is going on with current business and getting plans ready for this acquisition and so on. Can you talk to us about the uh, lights out processing uh, product that you guys launched just a short while ago?
5: Yeah. Uh, n- note to self: Never do a major product launch uh, a couple weeks before you get acquired. Uh, <laughs> you know, just to, you know, for anybody who's uh, who's go- uh, who's going into a, a, a business, just you know, learn 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 the lesson from me because it has just been nuts the past several weeks. But yeah, vital processing is. So we announced that a couple weeks ago, and I want to make sure that that does not get lost in the fray because uh, that is technology we've developed that. Is a completely hands-off, uh, fully automated processing of uh, invoices and uh, and such for, um, for for brokers and three pls, and so we're advancing that technology rapidly, and we've seen a massive adoption uh, from our existing customers over the past several weeks. We've had brand new customers reach out to us just because they want to not have to touch invoices, they want to not have to t- you know do all this manual work uh, that lights out processing uh, facilitates. So. We're, and we've been improving that technology since, obviously, since we started it. But now, again, part of what excites me is it's going to get even better with the acquisition of Try and Pay, right? Because we're going to be able to incorporate Try and Pay scale and do things and uh, in, 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 incorporate their carrier data and things like that. So for our broker customers, you know, we'll be able to do a better uh, and more comprehensive job of, you know, validating carrier remit twos, validating where payments are supposed to go. So again, all this stuff is going to be uh, hands off, you know, no human touch. And you know, so it's it's advancing very quickly and uh, on legal day one, it's going to get even better. So again, white top processing is is big for us and our customers are, are ecstatic by it.
0: Wow, well, I mean, it sounds like you've got a lot to get back to. You know, you, big deals like that, you got to keep them close to the vest. So the product team's working on this lights out processing, and it's yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah. you know what? We can't disturb them. Let's keep them hard at work. And I, I love the story. You know, we're in a we're in a startup over here at Freightways, and, and we've had um, we've had similar <laughs> things happen before. And it's all hands on deck, but it's part of what makes this stuff fun and keeps you alive, brother. Uh, tell us where hey, to learn you know, more. You, you haven't die by the adrenaline,
5: right? <laughs> so you got your adrenaline and caffeine. That's that's how that's how I roll.
0: Hey, are you and the team coming out to F3 in November 8th to 10th here in Chattanooga? Oh, man, I wouldn't miss it. I mean,
5: I, I, I loved, so I was talking with Jack Glenn earlier this week, and, I, and I, I mean, I love Chattanooga, and I'm so thrilled by what you're, what you're doing uh, with F3 this year. And I think it's, I think it's phenomenal. Um, I wouldn't miss it for the
0: world. I know, nice. we, we, there's been so much demand now. We keep increasing the size and the scope of this thing. I think it's like lightning in a bottle. Everyone wants to get back together yeah. and we've been cooped up for so long. Vaccines rolling out. A lot of us already get the double dose in our arms. So by November, it'll be all, all hugs and loves, man. All hugs. It's going to
5: be like South by Southwest for the freight world. So oh, well, well done. This is, this is phenomenal. It's going to be killer, man. So, Hey, how do people reach out and learn more? Uh, just reach out to sales at hubtran.com And uh, my, my last name's hard to spell uh, just sales at hubtran.com And I, I'll take care of you. <laughs>
0: okay Josh have a great weekend take care hey
5: you two guys great great catching up
0: nice. thanks Josh hey I hope that piece of art behind him wasn't from the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum have you watched there's a new Netflix documentary called this is a robbery about oh, really? the Gardner Museum Heights. Gardner Museum is my favorite museum in the world it's in Boston Massachusetts okay it's beautiful been. it's like a living museum you go in there it's just such a wonderful place it's an architectural marvel and oh, now really? there's a uh, there's a mini series on Netflix, covering called This is a Robbery. I highly recommend it, especially if you're from the, the Northeast or familiar with the Isabella Stewart Gardner. Or you visit the great city of Boston. I'm going to have to do that. Check it out. It's on Netflix. I will do and it. And visit Boston. Yeah. Let's oh. do a live show in Boston.
1: Let's right do it. I love
0: Boston. Let's, Let's do, do it for Halloween. We can you know what I also sailing. love? I love Redwood. Let's get yeah. Eric Rampel up on here. He's the chief innovation officer over at Redwood Logistics. And Michael Reed, he's the chief product officer over at Redwood Logistics as well. Gentlemen, welcome back to the show how are you guys what's happening hey, what's up guys what's going on so hey mike looking back on q1 i mean this it's been a crazy year everyone said hey 2021 it's going to slow down it's going to get normal yeah that was a lie well <laughs> looking back on <laughs> q1 though what were uh what were the challenges for redwood
4: customers uh oh man uh yeah first off it is definitely not uh not normal by any stretch of imagination. Uh, before we get into that, I will say there's no stolen art anywhere in my house, so I just want to <laughs> just want to throw that out there before we get before we get to into this. Uh, don't just don't look over you know over my shoulder or anything. Uh, yeah. So, man, I don't know. It's just been a crazy year. Uh, I mean, we all know this. We talk about it all the time, and you know, in public and in behind closed doors. But uh, I think the best way that I would describe it is still uncertainty, right? Like. We we still feel uncertain as to how you know things are are going to progress as a country and as a you know as we start to think about you know the population getting vaccinated that percent increasing like but in supply chains and in, in freight like I, it's still the same general feeling right there's still imbalances uh, in individual supply chains more so than I've ever remember seeing in my career uh, you know some companies are totally out of whack compared to what they you know quote unquote normal is. Um, and I think that really, they, it, 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 binds on top of each other. And, you know, obviously every, every supply chain is interconnected, right? We're all one giant ecosystem at the end of the day. Um, and, and that stuff really, uh, you know, it impacts one another. So you kind of look at some individual metrics some KPIs, like what do what you want to talk about? Like inventory to sales ratios, right? Uh, in, in North America, uh, if you look at even retail specifically, I, I know you guys know this, but like, they're still the lowest they've ever been in. A long time like into the early 90s and and that changes the dynamics within the freight market as we think about you know slowdowns in overarching uh in, imports uh specifically on the container side influx and in air freight needs like just overall more complexity more imbalance right so that's what we hear at a at the highest level uh from our from our customers from our partners and and those are honestly the things that we're uh we're, we're trying to help solve um you know, sometimes at a at the tactical level, sometimes at the strategic level, uh, those are the things that that get Eric and I excited every day.
1: Awesome stuff, thank you. Uh, so let's check in with Eric and see if he's going to own up to any uh, art heists of, <laughs> of, of late. But Eric, uh, let's talk about R- uh, Redwood and and the you know the solutions you guys brings. How do you guys help the organizations overcome these different challenges like we've seen over the first quarter? <laughs> It's a great question, but I do want to call
6: out um, something Mike said. And the reason he doesn't have stolen artwork is because it's sitting on a container at sea, uh, waiting to. Uh, <laughs> well,
0: wait, what's so, that behind yeah. your? What's over your shoulder? I see some artwork right there. <laughs>
4: exactly. Exactly. A, um, hey, hey, Eric, move your move your monitor a little bit so they can see your daughter's artwork on the right. Hand. There <laughs> go. Go okay. He's got yeah, a whiteboard exactly. whiteboard yeah.
0: over there with you yeah. know doodles yeah. and everything. It's not that a Rembrandt but it's a rampel. Uh, that's,
4: that's right. right. That's, that's perfect. Right.
6: Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, the, the way the way we help our customer overcome challenges, truthfully, is by, by solving those a lot ourselves. You know, we've been on this decade-long journey where, um, you know, we've been at the intersection of, of logistics and technology. And our mission during that entire time has been enabling our customers to weave together, you know, their optimal mix of, uh, you know, logistics solutions, logistics partners, right, you know, in an open way where they can leverage Redwood or leverage any outside party, um, but also the right technology solutions. So as we see these two hemispheres of logistics and technology combining, um, you know, that's the world we live in. And, um, you know, we've been doing it for so long and we've, you know, at Redwood, we say, you know, we have a multimodal brokerage, we have assets, we have warehousing and distribution, we have an integration platform as a service with Redwood Connect, we've got professional services and consulting and all of these things together, we're, we're, we're trying to come up with a way to explain what it is to digitally transform shippers as well as other 3PLs and carriers. And we're calling that Pass or logistics platform as a service. And it's the way that, you know, we see the digitization happening across, you know, organizations that are looking to automate, but the answer isn't always in one tech package. Um, You know, you had Josh on from, from HubTran and, you know, we integrate HubTrend, we integrate Triumph Pay, we integrate Project 44, we integrate our peers so that shippers out there can get the best of both worlds of logistics and technology solutions. And that is Redwood's focus. That is our mission, which is finding the easiest ways to bring, bring these two worlds together for our customers and for ourselves.
0: Mike, a lot of challenges this year. What what could happen next? What next could go wrong? What's going Panama Canal get blocked? What is the next big challenge for the transportation industry? You got a crystal ball in that uh what are you in your man uh, yeah, cave totally. right now? Right. Yeah. This
4: is about man cave homework office. Yeah. Uh don't tell my don't tell my wife about the crystal ball because she <laughs> might get jealous. Uh this is the only part of the house that I have, you know, domain over. So i got it. you gotta take what you can get. You know, I, I I don't have a crystal ball, right? I, you guys don't. Eric doesn't. I think to me, I, I I look at it kind of in the inverse. Personally, like, you we don't know what's coming next, right? Uh, you, the Suez Canal could you know get shut down. We know that it has been from an infrastructure standpoint. That's that that I would have put money on versus the Suez Canal. Uh, you know, over the last few years, uh, anyway. Not to mention all the infrastructure challenges and you know lack of maturity things. Without getting into politics that we have here within. The us like uh, something's going to happen right so for us for stuff that eric and i talk about how do we help get in front of that with our customers with our partners and it's really getting out in front of it understanding uh you know understanding how all of their supply chain data comes together being able to see things in near real time right and being able to be nimble and react to that if you have something like, you know, we talk about the Suez Canal and, and you maybe you have containers uh, that are that are stuck waiting to go through for weeks, if not months at a time. And maybe you don't. But if you don't have that visibility into where your freight is, how that impacts inventory, how that impacts your end customers, uh, you literally have no clue if that affects you or not as a supply chain. So being able to have deeper, you know, freight visibility, data visibility, you know, fill in the blank supply chain visibility is just absolutely key and then being able to do things with it, right? Having your your industry, your organization being able to be nimble and and react to that is absolutely paramount. And at the highest level that's that's exactly what Eric just described with this new outpass and we're trying to really help our customers be more nimble and help solve those problems.
1: Yeah, Mike, I think the the key phrase there for me is being able to do something with that visibility and with that data, right? Many
4: people forget about for sure. that type of thing.
1: So, what's in store for Redwood in twenty twenty one What's the next big thing, Mike?
4: Well, you know, to be totally honest, uh, we, we kind of uh, I've only been uh, with the organization for a little about a year now and uh, learned learned a lot about the the positioning and and I think Eric kind of had a saying. It's you know, we're quietly revolutionizing, you know, the supply chain space. And I think Redwood's been, we've been very, you know, quiet from a marketing standpoint around these broader topics and how we've been helping to solve problems for our, for our shippers and our partners and even our carriers that we work with across the, the enterprise. And I think this is a really year of us kind of, you know, getting out there and, and, and telling everybody what we've been doing because I, I we're just super passionate about it and, and it really does help solve real world problems at the highest level and that's to us is super exciting
0: yeah it sure is eric we got about a a little under two minutes left where do you see the industry headed in 2021 it might be hard to condense it into that short amount of time but i'm sure you got a nugget in there
6: yeah uh you know i I, you know there's obviously that great quote right the only uh uh, the only constant is change. Um, and, and that's so true with with our industry. And it's only accelerating. Um, you know, you take, you know, pre-pandemic, you know, the acceleration of uh, various logistic solutions, and then you have all of this, you know, VC and private equity money going into technology to bring these solutions. And the fragmentation that was the market is now getting, you know, even more fragmented with the tech solutions coming into it. So it's, it's really neat to see that happen. But I, I think where you know, you throw the pandemic on top, you see how organizations had to be super agile and nimble, like Mike was talking about, and be able to, you know, adapt to what's happening in the market in way more real time than they ever had before. The question is, how do you do that? And I think People are going to start looking at visibility to their data the same way they look at visibility to their freight, um, which is, you know, what is my data telling me? Are we measuring ourselves with data? Are we making decisions with data versus, you know, leveraging the hippo, right? The highest paid person in the organization makes a decision versus letting the data make a decision. So I think, you know, ability to change quickly, ability to leverage data, ability to weave together your optimal blend of logistics partners and technology partners into your ecosystem is how organizations will compete and it's how they're going to, you know, stay above water as we enter this new normal and you know that's that's kind of what we see and where we're positioning ourselves
0: eric i hope the next thing we see from redwood is you at f3 <laughs> hopefully f3. we see you guys there um that is it for sure yes thanks for joining us on the show go check them out at go check them out at uh what is redwood right you got it
6: absolutely
0: Redwoodlogistics.com and check out that l pass good stuff thank you gentlemen right. for you folks out for you folks out there that want to come to F3, we're talking about it so much. We are going to save you $200, and you know how we're going to do it. You're going to go to live.freightwaves.com, click on Upcoming Events, click on F3, register, put in the special promo code WTT. You're going to save yourself 200 bucks per ticket. Per ticket, Michael Vincent. Nice. Yeah. Get That's on right, it. A Get on it now. After the show. Right. Not now. Correct myself. Sure. All right, we promise you this. We're going to give you the story behind the belt, so let's start at the beginning. and arriving at my house. Roll the tape. Holy shit, uh, It's my box from Trophy Smack, I think. I know what's inside. Let's get on these open the box. What do we? holding <laughs> <having laughs> a phone. Ooh, look at that. Look at this. Love this packaging. Oh, it's, it's heavy. It's awesome. Oh my god, it's heavy. It's yeah. heavy. I'm not oh, even lying. It's like look five at pounds. Look at this. Look at the side plates. This is incredible. That is sweet. This thing is massive. Whoa. Hell yeah. Thank you, Trophy Smack. Haha. <laughs> and now we have uh, we have got Matt Walsh on from Trophy Smack. You can bring down that video. Let's bring Matt up. Let's talk to Matt Walsh. Matt, thanks. First of all, this thing is this thing is awesome man i feel like you i feel like you getting that deal from mark cuban on shark tank
7: hell yes i can watch that unboxing video on repeat over and over and over man i love it the time has come we talked about it a couple months ago and so excited that we got that in your hands, man. I love it.
0: It was like an idea that was born on this this show. We talked about it kind of shot in the dark. You said you were making belts. I'm like, make us the what the trunk belt you were all over it. you got it together. yeah, let's do a little how it's made on this though what's yeah, the supply yeah, yeah. chain behind this belt right here?
7: yeah, so supply chain on this was was tricky, and I know I shared uh some of that with you um <laughs> offline, but to get a custom print adhered to that metal and the way that the way that we did in that, the unboxing video that you made, I think really captures it. I love how the light hits it. And that's a challenge for us, not, not from a supply chain side, but from a marketing side, how to really show how awesome these belts are and, and your video. I mean, that's, that's, that's perfect. Um, but to get these belts produced, and the curvature, we, we still want it to look like a championship belt. So the the specifications with the factory, the mold that's created and pouring the metal, the the technology in effectively effectively getting the adhesion, you know, it's never been done before, right? Um, this this level of quality and how these belts are made, it's it's uncharted territory. So a lot of guessing and testing, a lot of prototyping, a lot of changes, a lot of ups and downs but I'll tell you, it's all worth it seeing this belt come to life, that's for
0: sure. No, it really is, and it's super cool, and if people, people may not be aware, when you hold this thing, not only is it heavy, but it's sturdy, because these things are bolted on right here. I mean, this, this plate is nailed in, and it's a heavy plate. You could knock someone out with this thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, that the, and that's the thing. I, I I saw it on the on the unveiling that you posted, right? Yeah. On the on the unboxing that you posted. And it and it does not do it as beautiful as it is. It doesn't do it justice when you get this thing in your hands. This is not like gold plastic or plastic gold. Look at the look at the trucks etched yeah. into the metal all, all throughout this thing. The details are unbelievable and it is heavy. Yeah. You could get smacked. I mean, the quality of this thing is unbelievable once you, you touch it. It's, I was blown away. We had
0: a question, though. So if we, if you wanted to go, like, super luxury. Now, this is, like, trophy. Now, this thing is quality. But if you wanted to go, like, super luxury, you were starting, like, a podcasting league or something. How much would it cost to actually, like, etch in all of this other stuff? Like, etch in the, like the logo and throw and, like, pimp this thing out with some diamonds?
7: Yeah. So you're referring to, um, like, if the mold itself, Right. Yeah, the like metal it dipped was in. Fixed. So kind of like how our fantasy football belt is in the background here. I'll grab it, give you some dimension. So with our fantasy football belt, you know, it's it's the the mold is fixed, right? So you've got you've got oh, depth yeah. to the metal, and to your point, right? The text yeah. is is formed in. Is that what you're referring to?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Because that would have to that would take a specialized plate every single time, wouldn't it? Yeah,
7: and that's the biggest that's the biggest challenge. So our fantasy football belt, right? the creation of this mold and, and the reason these belts are as heavy as they are and and as quality as they are is, you know, that mold is in, in the tens of thousands of dollars Right, we're, we're pouring, you know, molten metal. And, you know, we, we went out and purchased, you know, every single championship belt that, that we could find. And, and, and what we found is what's out there is thinner pieces of metal. Um, and it doesn't have that weight and doesn't have that quality. So, a big challenge we had when we when we first started the business focusing in fantasy sports is everyone is reaching out to us saying, Hey, this belt is so cool, but I want it for my top salesperson. I want it for my non-fantasy adult, you know, softball leader, whatever it is. And it's like, man, we can't we can't go out and spend 10000 dollars for every new <laughs> yeah. idea. So that's the premise behind the belt that, that you guys have in your hands is. We can have a one-off. We can make this thing look awesome Mm -hmm. and have that level of quality. And the design is, you know, very specific and unique. Um, But to answer your question, to to really create this level of quality in in a a formed mold and 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 trust me, when you ask about diamonds and and, you (laughs) know, that's all stuff that we have in the works. So we are working on kind of blending the two, where we have a mold that is agnostic to the industry and the target market, but there is more shape and there is diamonds and there's going to be aspects that we can customize and plug and play. But uh, we'll, we'll continue, you know, growing this, uh, this, this product line uh, as, as the market has an appetite for. Because, you know, at the end of the day, it, relating this to, to the freight business, you know, which I, you know, eat, breathe and sleep and, and live in, you know, things are so challenging right now and company culture and celebrating wins. You know, a belt like that, I, I like to say that, I like to think that, that the what to truck belt is, is priceless. You can't put a dollar on it, but, oh. but you can. We sell the belt for $199. Well. And when there's a big achievement in in such a competitive and dynamic and stressful industry as supply chain logistics, having a championship belt like that to be that memento of that moment, and, and recognize a, a victory or a success, I mean, that's huge for, for connecting people
0: and company culture. You know, a Shark Tank TV star here, but this was also designed by another TV star, Dax Holt. If you ever watched TMZ before, you may know him from there. My wife does, so when I want to impress her. I, I definitely drop that, that fact. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Guy from TMZ. You, you know Dax, he made this thing. He designed it. I love, too, that he came out on nice. Twitter and he was like, hey, where's my recognition? I designed the belt. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, that's
7: surreal, well, Dax. Yeah, I'll tell you what, when anything that, that I'm doing where I can kind of merge these two worlds of, of the trophy smack idea, and I couldn't help myself but just go, you know, maximum throttle a trophy smack. But I've, I've mentioned to you guys before, you know, I've got, I've got freight in my blood. I'm going to always, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, self prescribed ADHD medication of being in, in logistics, there's always something happening and going on and when i can merge those two worlds i mean it's 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 something special for me so in our office i put your unboxing video on every single tv and i called an all hands on deck meeting and i played it everywhere so we got to laugh at a at a you know, Dax Dax responding and saying, Hey,
0: what about me? I was part of this. <laughs> well, Matt, Matt, we love it. We love Trophy Smack. We, you know, we hope we see you at the Festival of Freight F3 out here in Chattanooga. It's going to be an amazing time, November 8th to 10th. Definitely come. I'll also be in touch. We'll oh, talk yeah. beforehand. I actually got a new show, Insiders oh, yeah. Career Journey Show. I'm going to invite you on that pretty soon. So I'll give you some details about that one. In the meantime, we're almost out of time here. Have a great weekend. Everybody go to trophysmack.com. Get yourself one of these awesome belts. But if you want to really get this one, you're going to have to earn it. You're going to have to come. To F3, and you have to beat me up in person to take it from me because, like he said, it's priceless. Go to what's it called, freightwaves.com. No, go to live.freightwaves.com, click on upcoming events, F3, put in the promo code WTT. You're going to get 200 bucks off, like he said, 199. You can go buy yourself one of these belts. That's right. Go buy your friend one of these
1: belts. Save 200 bucks and buy a belt. Go buy your boss
0: one. Go buy your sales leader. Go buy somebody. Just wear it to the event. We'll all wear belts. What if everyone at F3 was wearing a championship belt? belt? I bet Matt would be happy about that, That would be awesome. Hey guys, thank you for joining us. You can find this show anywhere you get podcasts. Look up "What the Truck." You want every freeways podcast all in one feed? Look up FreightCast. You can find me on Twitter at Timothy Duna. You can find him at Vincent the Dude. Tell the people what to do.
1: Peace and love, everybody. Peace and love.